Uh. I've heard stories where people have driven past a building and they've seen fire, actually seen fire, and they call the fire brigade, but it actually wasn't fire. It was Holy Spirit fire, but it was manifested and people actually saw it, saw it visual. It's like, come on. You know, it's my prayer it's my prayer that we would see such a manifestation of God's presence and glory that people would stand up and go, I've been healed. And no one's prayed for them. They haven't come forward for healing prayer. They just go, you know what, I've been healed. I've been healed. And testimonies start to come because, because God is actually ministering to people in that way. Come on. That's a vision. If you want to grab hold of a vision, grab that vision because that's where we're going. Amen? Because our God is so great. Oh. I've seen pockets of that in places. I've seen, you know, there was a time when I was ministering somewhere and we just were worshipping and stuff. And then the freedom of worship, this, um, just there was a lady um, who had a sore shoulder. She just come running up the front. She goes, I've been healed. Like, I mean, when I mean sore shoulder, she couldn't like, you know, like that. She just come run up the front and she could just, for the first time ever, she could lift up her hand and worship and worship. Amen. So, Yeah. That's what happened to you? Not today. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Come on. So more. Yeah. The best, the best testimonies are where people just say, look what the Lord has done for me. Look what the Lord has done for me. That's the best tes- testimony. Absolutely. Praise God. I want to just spend a few minutes today sharing about Acts Revisited because we are in this time. We are in this time. So, Lord, we want to thank you today. Lord, we pray that the words that are spoken wouldn't just be information, but, God, that you would bring us revelation. Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would sow something so deep within us that we cannot be moved. We cannot be moved from your word. We cannot be moved from your promises. We cannot be moved because we know that you are doing a work in us. So, Lord, that we would have eyes to see, we would have ears to hear, and we would have hearts to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know where exactly we're going to end up today. I hope that's okay. Well, I know that's okay. But it'd be somewhere around the theme of that, Acts Revisited, because God was speaking to me about that. So we'll just go with the flow. But you know what? We, we are living in a critical time. We are living in a vital time. We, we are living in a time. And we need to choose this day and we need to choose every day whom we're going to serve. We need to feed on good things. We need to feed on righteous things. We need to feed on the things above. We need to dwell on such things. We need to, you know what, because as the dark gets darker, the lighter meant to get lighter. You know, the grey, those areas of lukewarm and apathy and complacency and mixture that has been in the church, well, those days are disappearing. You're either going to fall away or you're going to stand and say, no, I'm going to live for Jesus. And this house will be a house that will stand and live for Jesus. Amen. As for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. We will worship him. You know, when we, when we read the book of Acts, what do we see happening in the book of Acts? We see the Spirit of God moving. Every chapter, we see the Spirit of God doing something. And of course, that's just a little bit of the whole picture. Even in Jesus' ministry, it says about Jesus' ministry, if everything that Jesus did in his lifetime was recorded, there wouldn't be enough room for all the books, yeah? 
And it's the same in the book of Acts. These are just snapshots of what the Holy Spirit was doing, but there was so much more that was happening. But the Spirit of God was moving, amen? People were stepping out. They were saying no to fear in Jesus' name. And they were being bold and they were making decisions for Jesus. In, in uh, Acts 19, when the Spirit of God was moving so, in such powerful ways, people bought their scrolls and, their, and, and, like, and all their New Age stuff and their witchcraft stuff and they burned it all. What a massive thing that would be if people, people that are holding on to stuff in their lives bring books and CDs and DVDs and stuff that you shouldn't be watching and being a part of and all this stuff and said, you know what, I'm going to burn it. What would that look like? We could, we could, no, actually the school probably wouldn't allow us, but you know what? We could just find a big bonfire and we could just, you know, that is powerful. There was growth. There was growth. It went from 12 disciples to, you know, to, to 120 disciples to over 3,000 and 5 and 10. Like it just, there was growth. There was growth. But, you know... Their mindset was that they were an overcomer. You know, I've realized this week as you put stuff on Facebook sometimes, there's a really critical spirit in this nation. There's a really critical spirit in this nation. People want to be critical. You say something, there'll be someone that's critical about it. You do something, there'll be someone that's critical about it. You know, and I'm going to go, I'm not going to partner with that critical spirit. I'm going to not partner with that. And we need to make a decision and we are not going to partner with that critical spirit. But they had a mindset of his kingdom come and his will be done. They were aware of what was happening around them. But you know what? They were on the offensive. They weren't on the defensive. And so there was growth and they, and they, they had a, a mindset of that, you know what? We are overcomers. And I felt a bit like that the last few weeks. Because, and please don't mishear me, but people go, oh, you know, all this has got to be expected, you know, because we're in the end times and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And I go, you know what? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I would rather choose to focus on the fact that Jesus said, I am building my church. And the gates were a defensive thing. They're not an offensive thing. So I would rather focus on the fact that, you know what? We are actually taking ground that the kingdom of God is actually expanding. The kingdom of God is growing. That's what I choose to focus on. So there's a couple that agree with me? Good, good. That's all right. Good. Just checking. It's good to have someone. There were issues that had to be dealt with. You cannot read the book of Acts and realize there weren't issues. And guess what happens? When growth comes, the issues come. When change comes, issues come. But it's how we handle that. Do we handle that in the flesh? Or do we live by the Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit will bring love. He'll bring wisdom. He'll bring understanding. He'll bring revelation. And solutions will be found. We've just got to learn to live in the spirit, not the flesh. God brought his order. God brought order into the church. And I, I don't think we realize sometimes that, that it's actually a theocracy. It's not a democracy. The church was never a democracy. Yes, we are the priesthood of all believers. Yes, everyone is called to minister to one another and to the Lord. Absolutely. Everyone has a part. I'm not saying that. 
But it's actually a theocracy, and what that means is that God chooses and God appoints. It's not man, but it's God. And I don't think we realize that sometimes. I think we have to actually have to look at the book of Acts and go, hang on a minute, God appointed these people, God appointed these people, God appointed these people. There were people being raised up. There, were, there, were, there was multiplication happening. People being raised up in all kinds of ways. There's missionaries, there's evangelists, apostles and prophets. You know, people helping in all kinds of ways. People were being raised up. It was never, when you read the book of Acts, it was never, um, you know, I just come to church and I just go home again. It was, I am living as part of a community for Jesus. People were being raised up everywhere. And that's like, amen. I guess what I'm trying to say was that the kingdom of God was advancing. Amen. You see the kingdom of God advancing. It was really that ripple effect. As the Spirit of God was poured out in Jerusalem, when the bomb came, in a sense, that explosiveness, bang, and the Spirit of God was poured out, as persecution happened, it began to spread. And the gospel went from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And here we are, basically the ends of the earth from Jerusalem. We are living testimonies of that truth, that you will be, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are testimony of that truth, living testimony. You know, and I believe we need to do the same. So what do we see? What do we see with our eyes? Do we see in the natural or do we see with eyes of faith? So there's some things I want to look at today really quickly. But I just want to say this first because this is what it is all about, isn't it? That they were a people that were Jesus-focused. They were so Jesus-focused. Paul said, I, I know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. They were leading people to Jesus. They were pointing people to Jesus. They were so Jesus-focused and the Church of Australia has to get back to being Jesus-focused. We need to worship the one who is worthy. We need to worship the one who is holy. We need to live and breathe for him. And they were Holy Spirit fueled. They were Holy Spirit fueled. They, they, they weren't just living life out of their own resources, but the Holy Spirit was fueling them from the inside out. And it wasn't just a one-off occasion. They kept being filled with the Spirit. How many prayer meetings do we read about in Acts where they were filled with the Spirit again? They were filled with the Spirit again. They were filled with the Spirit again. Holy Spirit, and much of the Australian church is trying to do church or be the church without the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. We need the Holy Spirit. Man, I was thinking about it. Oh, I'm kind of pre Anyway, I'll go with it. I was thinking about when I was, you know, when I was reading Acts and I was reading chapter 2. You know, people said they're drunk. What, what would have that looked like? Sitting in our chairs in all order. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> so what did that look like? You know, we're so, we're so contained in our nation. We're so contained. We're so defined. But you know what? We need the Holy Spirit. And the other thing that stood out to me is that they were so prayer dependent. And when I mean prayer dependent, they were, they were dependent on the one to whom they were praying to. But prayer was always central. Prayer was always in the middle of it. And, you know, and I realize in Australia more than ever that we try and deal with stuff in our own strength. 
instead of praying. You know what? Prayer is powerful because God is powerful. He is looking for people who will start to pray. Amen? And as we start to pray, He will start to move. That's the partnership. You know, in Acts chapter 4, when they came back from the healing and they said, and they were, you know, held before the, the, the religious leaders, they said, do not speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Okay? Don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus, Steve. That's it. And they went, he went back and he reported, we've just been told that we can't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. What did they do? Oh, we better, we better call a board meeting. We better work out how we're going to fix this solution. You know, maybe we need to work it out how. No, 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 no. They said they're going to pray. And they gathered together in prayer. And they declared scripture. Why do the rulers, you know, rule? Why is this happening? Why? And they started to declare and they started to pray. And the Spirit of God moved in such a way that the building that they were in was shaken. Can you imagine a spiritual earthquake being felt in Bundaberg? Come on. And they're all filled with the Spirit. And they all began to speak the Word of God boldly. And it's one of my favorite passages. Why? Oh, good. Because Peter and John, Peter and John were out there sharing the gospel, yeah? Peter and John were there. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Peter and John were out there, but then it said after that prayer meeting that they were all filled with the Spirit and they all began to speak the Word of God boldly. So you know what happened in that persecution? It went from two people sharing it to a whole bunch of people sharing it. It's like, come on, how cool is that? So I guess the question is today, who's, who is willing to stay the course? You know, we can, we can stand up and we can say, yep, I'm willing to stay, stay the course, but are we really? Uh, have we really said, Jesus, here I am? Everything, everything I have is yours. Because I'm kind of... I scratch my head at times when I read passages of Scripture because we don't, there are things that we don't know the full story in or have the full answer. But I do know in this that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, that when Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to the disciples and to over 500 people. Now, I don't know about you, but if you had met the risen Christ face to face, that would have been pretty powerful. Is that a fair assumption? If Jesus appeared to you, over 500 people plus the disciples, he, he appeared. And yet on the day of Pentecost, there was only 120 gathered in that upper room praying. I always think, God, whatever happened to the other 380? Well, they, did they go back fishing? Did they just not see that prayer was important? Did they just not see that gathering with the saints was important? I mean, you know, I don't have the answer. But I do know that he appeared to over 500 people. And I don't know about you, but I would hope that if I was one of those 500 people, that I'd be one of those 120 people. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were there were about 120. So who's willing to stay the course? Hopefully you say yes in you. But prayer was so important. Here they were in Acts chapter 1 verse 14, they were praying. Here in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and they'd been praying. When they, and I've already referred to it, 
the fact that when they were told not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus, they called a prayer meeting. Out of those 3,000 men plus women and children that had given their lives to, the, to Jesus on that day of Pentecost, you know, they devoted themselves, one of the things they devoted themselves to was prayer. The apostles teaching, the breaking bread, fellowship and prayer. Prayer was central. Prayer was so central. And it's so good that I think, I've, I've been sensing in the spirit of late that our Friday night prayers are having a fresh injection. You know, there are times when you're just kind of like, oh, you know, I know this is what we're meant to be doing, but it's like, oh, you just got just to, you've got to stay the course, don't you? You have to stay the course. You know, but just of late, you know, there's just been an intensity lift in our prayers, that more people are rising up in prayer. They're not just hanging on the back of three or four people that do, you know, that kind of pray. They're actually going, no, no, I'm actually stepping into that. And that's for all of you. You know what, we've got some powerful people that stand up and pray, and when they pray, you know that things are shaken in the spiritual realm. But hey, you know what? You can stand, and you can pray, and you can declare. And when you see that there's something not right, you can make the stand. So let's be a people of prayer. More. Let us pray continually. You know, as we're driving down the street and we see something, let us pray. As we're driving into Bundaberg, we speak a blessing over the city. You know what? We just a people of prayer, praying at all times, in all ways. Amen? Even in the midst of the persecution, the Spirit was moving. The Spirit of God was moving. Because the, the fact was that the Spirit was being poured out on all flesh because that's what was declared at the day of Pentecost, that the Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh. And as a bit of a side note, we won't get too distracted by this today, but did, did you realize how central and how important Peter was? Because when Jesus said to him that I, Pete, on this revelation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I give you the keys of the kingdom. He was actually speaking at that point in time. He, he spoke to Peter. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, we know that as sons and daughters that we have authority in the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that. But what I want to say is that Peter was so vitally important. Who was the one that was preaching when the Spirit of God was poured out upon the Jews? Louder? Peter. Just checking. Just, just checking, you know. If you turn to Acts, number eight, uh, Acts chapter 8, when they were ministering the gospel in, um, amongst the Sumerians in Samaria, Philip went down, he was preaching the gospel, but guess what? They hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit. So guess who came down? Yes. And the Spirit of God was poured out upon the Sumerians. Now, the Sumerians were viewed as half-breads. The, Jew, the, the Jews didn't want anything to do with them. Okay? And then in Acts chapter 10... Guess who was the one that was there when the Spirit was poured out upon the Gentiles? Peter, you've got it. So Peter, 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 Peter. The Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh. The Jews and the Gentiles and the half-breeds in between, the Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh. They have to, we, we have to see when we read the book of Acts that everywhere they went there was some form of opposition. And the church has to realize, because I've met so many people that start to step into something and they find there's opposition that they go, oh, well, God's obviously not in it. <laughs> We're always going to strike opposition. 
We see it in the book of Acts. There's opposition. Because the principalities and powers of darkness don't want to give up territory that they have. We strike that opposition. But you know what? God, in the midst of that, moves so powerfully. He's just looking for people that are willing to stand. Amen? I love it in Acts chapter 7. And Stephen, 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 who was one of those that was you know, chosen to wait upon the tables, and we'll get to that in a minute. You know, he was speaking, he was preaching away because he was filled with the Spirit of God and he was filled with wisdom. You know, can you imagine being Stephen in this scenario? He says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're always resisting the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine how well that would have gone down? That, would have, that, would just, that wouldn't have gone down really well at all. As your ancestors did and you now also do, doing. Which of these prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one. Man, he's just going for it. And it says in chapter, uh, verse 54, When they heard these things, they were enraged and they gnashed their teeth at him. What does that even look like? They gnashed their teeth at him. As, as he was preaching, you, you uncircumcised people, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. They're like, Argh. Can you just, just imagine it? Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and, oh man, he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand and he said, look, I see the heavens have opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they yelled at the top of their voices, covering their ears. (laughs) They didn't want to hear it. They dragged him out and they stoned him and kept stoning him. And Stephen said, Jesus, receive my spirit. There's another little tangent, hey? God is so much into free will and the freedom of choice that you have to make that choice as well. Jesus said, Father, I give you. Into your hands I commit myself. He gave of himself to the Father and said, I'm coming. Stephen, in that same thing, he was being stoned. He could have stood there or sat there and kept going. He said, Jesus, receive my spirit. I've I've had that. My dad was holding on and on and on and on and on until my third brother got there and spent some time with dad in the hospital and he said, I'm ready now. And within a few hours he was gone. Saul, he was Saul, agreed with the putting to death of, of Stephen. And on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Saul was ravaging the church, and we know Saul's encounter who became Paul on the road to Damascus, yeah? We haven't got time to get there today. But I want to just... It's just stating the fact that in the midst of persecution that God was moving. They weren't going retreating, retreating, retreating. They were actually running into the fire. That, that, that was their mindset. They weren't retreating, retreating, retreating. They were running into the fire. And more than ever, the church in this, this nation needs Gideons. 
who actually respond to the call of God to come out of the wine press, to come out of the place of hiding and say, I'm going to stand and live for Jesus. I'm going to be the mighty men and women of God because that's what, exactly what you are. If you've been born again and you've been filled with the Spirit of God, you are a mighty man or woman of God. You're a son and daughter of the King, and you are called to be on the offensive, not on the defensive. Amen? You are living for the one who is worthy. This life will pass away. Everything in this life will pass away. But Jesus, oh, but Jesus. Their mindset was this. If I could just turn quickly to a couple of other verses. Oh, time's getting on, as always does. John 16 because this was their mindset. John 16, verse 31 to 33. Do you believe now, indeed, a time is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home and you will leave me alone? Yet I am not alone because the Father is in me. And this, this is the one. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will, have, you will have suffering in this world, but be courageous because I have conquered or I have overcome the world. And we know in Romans that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen? That was the mindset they had, that they were more than conquerors. They rested on the fact that Jesus said, I will build my church. They rested on the truth that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They were resting on these things. You know, in 1 John 4, I'll get there. 1 John 4. Oops, there it goes. Little children, you are from God. And you have conquered them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the worlds. Can you grab hold of that revelation today? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Go home and get into that. Say, God, I need to know that in my life. I need that revelation in my life, that I am an overcomer, that I am a more than a conqueror, that greater is you that is in me than anything the world can throw at me. Amen? They overcame by the, the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Oh, Can you see the mindset? Go home and read the book of Acts again and you'll see the mindset all the way through. We're taking ground, we're taking ground, we're taking ground, we're taking ground. Oh, the enemy's trying to stop us here. Nah, too bad. We're going to take ground. But the growth did cause issues, yep. But you know what? We're meant to deal with everything in love, wisdom and patience. If we could bind those three things together, because love covers a multitude of sin. The wisdom, when Solomon asked for wisdom, he was very wise to ask for wisdom. Wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. And patience. Patience with one another. Patience in stuff. Patience in the midst of stuff. If we could bind together love, wisdom, and patience. Oh. In Acts chapter 6, we read that, because they were busy ministering, weren't they? Can you imagine... Being in that environment where the Spirit of God had just been poured out and all these people had been added to the church and there was so much stuff happening. Every day it says there were people being added to the church. Can you imagine being in that environment every day? They were so busy, you know, preaching and praying and prophesying and, 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 and uh, healing and all these kind of things. They were so busy. 
that there's stuff that started to happen. And one of the examples is in Acts chapter 6. It says, in those days, the numbers of disciples were increasing and there was a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food. Anyone ever been in a church before that's like, how come they're doing, getting this because I'm not getting this? I want some of that. People are laughing, so I'm presuming that's a yes. Where an issue arises... So they went, the 12 summoned the whole company and said, it's actually true. We've actually missed that. It's true. It would not be right for us, but it would, but it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word, to wait on tables. They had to keep doing what they were doing. Yeah? So they said, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom again. We would divide ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word, the, word, the word. So they came together and they chose seven and Stephen was one of them. And it says in verse 7 that they had them stand with the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God spread and the disciples in Jerusalem continued to increase greatly. And if we, we, we're going to run out of time now, but we see in Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 15, there are other periods when there was issues that, are, that arose. We shouldn't run from issues because there's going to be issues because growth causes issues. It does. But we need love and patience and wisdom to deal with those issues. Amen. We see a people that gave themselves to the Lord and to one another. I saw someone put a comment on Facebook, you know, um, that just said, I, I am the church. And I went, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to even bother. And I'm going to, you, you like actually need someone else because we are living stones, plural, that are being built together. Yes, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but the church is actually the body of Christ, the bride. It's not a singular, it's a plural. They gave themselves to the Lord and they gave themselves to one another. And every day they broke bread. Every day they helped each other. Every day, every day, every day, every day they were doing something. You know what? Every day you were called to minister. Maybe that's in your workplace. Maybe that's in your street. Maybe that's with your family. Every day you're called to minister. Maybe, you know what? You're praying in the morning and you just get someone pop into your spirit and you go, I need to ring up Steve. I don't know why, I just feel I just want to encourage him. Maybe you're in the Word in the morning and you get a verse of Scripture and you go, you know what? I just really feel I need to give that verse of Scripture to Debbie. You know, every day. Just because we live in a different kind of culture doesn't mean you can't minister to each other every day. Does it? They gave themselves to the Lord and to one another. And that's the kind of body ministry that the Lord is looking for. Yep. Where the body is ministering to one another. On a Monday or a Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's, that's the kind of body ministry that God is looking for. That we don't just come to an event, whether it's be a Sunday or a Friday night prayer meeting, and we tick the box, you know, but, you know, but we live our life for Jesus. And we do gather and we do connect and we do pray and we do worship and we do serve and we do these things. But it's part of my whole that I live for Jesus. We see that all the way through the book of Acts. The other thing that we see through the book of Acts is miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. We've already heard it this morning through some of our young people, our God is a miracle-working God. 
And I reckon most of us here today, if not all of us here today, could, could stand up and tell of at least a miracle that we've seen God do. Hands up if you've seen at least a miracle in your life or your family or surrounding circumstances or whatever. See? He is a miracle-working God. And this is why we, we, part of the reason we have an open mic is because we want people to say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. We don't want to shut that down. We want to say, no, no, we, we want more people to testify about Jesus and what the Lord has done. We want people to say, the Lord has done great things. He has done great things for us. Amen? All the way through from the, the outpouring of the Spirit, all the way through to the chapters Towards the end, we see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. That very um, passage that I alluded to before in Acts chapter 19, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. God, it says God was performing extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even face cloths or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and the diseases left them and then the evil spirits came out of them. There's miracles. I've heard, I've been a part of those kind of miracles where, you know, where, where we've prayed over a cloth and we put some anointing oil on it. I even encouraged one spouse to put it under the other spouse's pillow. And they gave testimony of a miracle that their life was being changed. That they were anti-God, but now all of a sudden they'd given their life to Jesus over a period of time. I'm thinking, why not? But here we have what I see is, as I said, a miracle. In verse 18, And many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices. While many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in the front of everyone. So they calculated their value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. And in this way, the Word of God flourished. Can you imagine that? This was part of my life, this was part of my life, this was part of my life, but now my life is Jesus, and I don't need that anymore, and they had a big bonfire. That's a miracle, isn't it? When you start to go, you know what, I used to really love that CD, or I used to love that DVD, or I used to love that television show, but now, you know what, I don't need that in my life. You know, I don't care that it cost me $200. I don't care that it cost me $1,000. I'm going to burn it. Come on. You know when God has authority in your finances or things that to do with finances, you know that he, that he really has you. Someone said that to me years ago, and I thought, ooh. But you know what? The more I've pondered it over the years, it's actually true. Because it's one of those things that we like to hold on to, isn't it? Money, possessions. But you know when you're willing to give or out of that to another person, you know that God really has you. It's true. So where do we stop? <sighs> I'm only just touching the surface of the book of Acts. But I just wanted to encourage you today that we are in Acts Revisited. The Spirit of God is beginning to move. There is restoration. There is things that are happening in people's lives. There are testimonies. There are changes happening in people's situations. There's a stirring that people go, you know what, I want more. There are, there are countless people doing stuff during the week that we don't even know about. Praying for someone, seeing a miracle here, seeing something there, providing food for someone. There's stuff happening all the time. 
I don't think we realise how much is actually happening between Sunday to Sunday. There is so much happening during the week. So much. But the Lord is looking for a people that would go, you know what, we're going to stay this course. And as the things that we've seen in the book of Acts, or we read about in the book of Acts, we're going to stand and we're going to believe for afresh today. Amen. Psalm 126. Uh, music team, do you want to, you can, you can come up. Psalm 126 is our psalm at the moment. I don't say that lightly, but I know that the Lord gave us this psalm back a few weeks ago when Katie was here, and I just cannot get rid of it. I can't get it out of my spirit. And so I want to encourage you to not just read Psalm 126. I want you to declare it in your prayer time. I want you to pray it in your prayer time. Yeah? It's about the restoration of God's people. It's about the restoration of God's people. What is the restoration of God's people? The people of God being restored to everything that they're meant to be. Isn't that what the Lord is doing in the church today for those that are willing? There is a restoration that is happening in people's lives. There's a restoration of the church becoming all that it's meant to be. Are we there yet? No. Are we on the journey? More, Lord. More. It's a simple word, but I'll tell you what, it's full of hunger. More, Jesus. More. More. We get more testimonies of healing. We get more testimonies of breakthrough. We get more testimonies of salvation. More testimonies, more testimonies, more testimonies. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. So if you allow me just to bring this into us. When the Lord restored the fortunes of His people, we were like those who began to dream again. We were like those who began to dream again. Don't lose the dream. Don't lose the vision. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Anyone like laughter? Why are they laughing? Because they've been restored? Because the dreams were coming back? Because they started to see some stuff? And they started to get joyous? And our tongues with shouts of joy. We did that this morning. Jesus! Jesus! And they said among the nations, and this is the testimony, the Lord has done great things. The Lord has done great things for us and we were joyful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You talk to a brother or sister that's been in Sydney who's been in lockdown for like eight weeks. Eight, eight, yeah, eight, eight, seven, nine, nine weeks. Their joy and their hope is getting suffocated. Yeah? The enemy tries to steal our joy. Because joy is so powerful. There's some joy over there. And they said, restore our fortunes, Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. So where there was where there was wilderness, where there was barrenness, when the rains came, the watercourses just flooded the land. And oh, you know, oh, that we would see a flood of this land. 
in the dry and desolate places that we would see a flooding rain to come in of the Holy Spirit and that there would be restoration in this nation. Amen. And this is a promise. Those who sow in tears. Hands up who's been through hard seasons. Now they're everybody. Yeah, that's about right. Yep. <laughs> Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Hold on to that fact that you will reap with shouts of joy. You will reap. Whatever you're standing in the gap for, you will reap with shouts of joy. Though one carries along, uh, though one goes along weeping, carrying the bag of seed. You know, sometimes you feel like you're just giving out. You're sharing Jesus with people, you're ministering and stuff, and you think, man, are people receiving anything? And you can get a bit sad sometimes. But it says that they will surely come back with shouts of joy carrying the harvest. Our God is faithful. What you, re- what you sow, you will reap. So sow for yourselves righteousness. Sow for yourselves peace. Sow for yourselves joy. Sow for yourselves hope. Sow for yourselves. Sow, sow, sow. Because what you sow, you will reap. That's about enough for today. Jesus.